This week on NFL Down Under, Patriots lie, Tennessee in trouble, and Texans on the hunt. Hello, welcome to the NFL Down Under podcast. I'm your host, Brendan Torpy, joined by Zoods. Welcome, Zooda. Thank you, as always. Good to be here. Big week, and I, I say that every week. Um, interrupted week this week. Mm, very interrupted. And uh, that's going to be our big topic and our starting topic of the episode, Zooda. So... COVID-19, we've discussed this at length as to how this is going to interfere with the NFL season, and we had a couple of small incidents uh, last week, but, well, uh, week uh, this week we've been, um, the, the, the league, I wouldn't say thrown into chaos, but it's it's very close to that with huge outbreak going to the Tennessee Titans team. And that's where we'll start, Sud. So um, it was reported that there were 14 players tested positive, Zoods, but um, I believe that's just gone up to 20 in the last uh, day or so. Yeah, which is madness, isn't it? Um, and, I, and I've been doing some reading, and they reckon they're going to get the game up and running again fairly soon. Uh, and that, that that's Tennessee, but then Kansas uh, reported a case, and so did the Patriots. Um, which we'll come to in a moment, but yeah. I, I, I do get sick of talking about COVID, but it's having such an impact on the game. Um, we know that three or four of the different owners have come out and said that we need to put the NFL on hold, um, but guess what happened, Torpy? Guess what happened? What happened, Zoos? What happened? The NFL said, get stuff. We need the of money. Of course they do. <laughs> I seriously think that if the NFL could have their way, and... This is probably a bigger discussion, but um, I think when it comes to sporting leagues, the NFL will absolutely go to the nth degree to get games in and get the cash in in the door, and player safety is going to be a lower priority compared to other sporting leagues in, in how North America have handled that. But I can, I can discuss that later, but yes, NFL are just playing on ahead. Oh, that, it's crazy. And I was having a chat with uh, one of our listeners, actually, um, who's been very disappointed we have not talked more about uh, the Chiefs. So just for him, Chiefs, 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 done. That is my job done. And oh. my promise lived up to. <laughs> oh, what a great uh, listener that he was talking, oh. asking about that. Yeah. Is oh, that our only listener? Oh. <laughs> may, maybe, um, which is terrifying and sad. Um, yeah. But we were having the discussion about... The comparison with like the NBA again and the bubble, yep. and do the teams need to start considering putting players in a bubble, like taking them from hotel to hotel, having that moving bubble around them, uh, so that there is no interaction with the outside. And this is, as we've discussed before, an incredibly difficult task logistically, because you look at the NBA and there's like 14 players on a team, 
compared to the NFL, you're looking at 53-plus staff coaches, blah, 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 blah. Yep. Do we have to do that to keep the season running? Hmm. I just, I think, I, I, they, there's no doubt the NFL looked at that as an option, but, like, logistically, how is it possible? Because the, the sheer quantity of people you've got involved, um, you know, 32 teams, it, it's going to be, like, even if they shave things off, you're not going to be shy, far shy from 100 staff, players, staff, totaling to 100 per, per side, and then you've got to find somewhere you can play, uh, you know, 16 games a week in a bubble where you have two bubbles. But, I mean, we, we may get there, but they've obviously looked at it and just thought it's, it's way too challenging at the current, at the current time. So, yeah. yeah. But, but, yeah, it's, it's, it's a tough one. Hmm. And it can't be ignored. What gets me? Yeah. No, it can't be ignored. But, but like, they're going to extreme lengths. Like, I think it was the Patriots with Cam Newton. Anybody who'd been a close contact, they flew on one flight, um, uh, to Kansas City, uh, and everybody else on a different flight as a way of making sure that they were all there in the same place. You know, COVID on one side, not COVID on the other. Like, that's a pretty drastic measure rather than just being like, okay, let's stall the game and stay home and everybody get right. Yep. Well, yeah, so to, I guess just going back a step, like we had the Tennessee Titans that just went through their facility. The facility was closed. Uh, this was prior to the start of games uh, over the previous weekend. Uh, their games being postponed and... And then there was the huge shock, shock news uh, with the big game of the Pats Chiefs that we've just, just touched on. And then Cam Newton tests positive uh, uh, in, in the build-up to that. Can't, and then there's a real big debate about, well, will this game go ahead? It went ahead on Monday night, um, which was amazing in its own right. Um, and, yeah, the Pats flew... Two planes, one with staff, one with players, as you've said, Zoots. Um, all the players were tested uh, as soon as they arrived in Kansas City, which was at a ridiculous hour, I think, on Monday morning. They all passed, but there was a rapid test, so they all passed. They go on play. Um, I think the real test is uh, what happens this week. What, if, what happens if some of those players end up, it was, there were false negatives, and they test positive this week. How how much exposure does that make to Kansas City? Um, oh, it's baffling. And like, so Cam Newton tested positive what three days ago? Is that I think that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's right. So they've, they've given everybody the test, and they use, from what I understand, and if our listeners know, jump in, correct me if I'm wrong. They use a rapid COVID test. Hmm. Um, there's a reason we don't use them like in the general public, like if we could get our answers in like 45 minutes, wouldn't that be awesome? The reason we don't use them is because they're not entirely accurate. Um, they, they show false negatives and negative falses. Is that the other way around? I don't know. Yeah. Uh, so if you're going through and, yeah, great, you're testing everybody, but if your testing product is no good, yeah, the chances are you're going to miss someone. There is no doubt in my mind that Cam Newton had contact with like most of the team. Like he's the freaking QB. He's going yeah. to have contact with his entire offensive line. That's 
you know, and then he's got his backups, um, he's got the practice squad, like all the coaches. If if there was a false negative in any of that, like I just cannot understand how the game went ahead. Yeah, ex- yeah well, it was hard to believe, and I think they're, I think as amazing as this sounds, because they're testing so often. I think they're testing daily, in my understanding. So they're saying, well, if there's, there may be some false results in there, but if we're testing as regularly, we believe that the success rate on a regular test is still good enough. But I just don't see how that passes. If you get, as you say, one false negative, sorry, yeah, false negatives are, are obviously the worst. And if you, God, I guess I get confused with this. Two negatives make a positive, don't they, Zeus? <laughs> but if you start getting, so sorry, I've confused, I've, I've gone on a tangent here. Their justification is that with regular testing, even if there is some error involved, I still think it's better methodology than regular tests and waiting for those results to come back. But I don't, I don't, see how that's right. I think there's a lot of argument to that. But this is a prime example as to how if you've got a system that doesn't work well, Newton's obviously exposed, surely has had exposure to many other players, and then they go ahead and play a game because they all test negative before the game. But who's to say there weren't positives? So, yeah, crazy. I'm just saying this would not happen in Australia. Like, we saw it with in the AFL, when a team got uh, Conor McNair tested, and he had a false positive, uh, so he never had Corona. The test came back wrong, but they delayed the game like straight away, and yep. he still went into quarantine for two weeks. Yep, crazy, crazy, and yeah, you sort of feel like at the moment the NFL is trying to hold back this tidal wave that's slowly building momentum, and it just feels like. You know, to go ahead with that game was a huge risk. Now, if that puts, you know, Kansas City at risk, and then they go and play another team next week, what's to say that this just virus just isn't going to run rampant through the league? Um, oh. Like, oh, I feel like that's not out of the question whatsoever. And then, like, we're already seeing the scheduling headaches that they're dealing with at the moment. What if you end up with six teams, seven teams like this? Next week, then what do you do? Oh, so it's yeah. it's crazy. And like Tennessee, what's going to happen to Tennessee? Like at the moment, mm-hmm. they're sitting pretty at four and zero. They've got twenty people in their organisation who have tested positive. What happens to that team? Are they quarantining for two weeks? Um, are they all having just to deliver a false, uh, sorry, a negative test? I assume that's what they need to have. But like. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know what happens to that team now moving forward, especially because we know that some of the well, we don't know what all the effects are. No, no not at all. And uh, I think going back to the point that I just touched on with, you know, comparing to say the NBA as an example, they've been applauded as to how well their bubbles worked. Um, but aside from the distinct differences in the number of players you're dealing with in the squad and the differences that makes in being able to have a bubble. I think more importantly, uh, the NBA commission, uh, Commissioner Adam Silver, Silver is like, has made that league a player's league. And it's about 
players, their welfare, their personalities of what they market, right? But then you get to the NFL. NFL is very much an owner's league. It's about the owners making their money and the players are really a commodity to the owners. And I think that's what the differences we're seeing in the approach. They're, they won't come out and say it, but they'll be prepared to put player welfare at serious risk in comparison to, say, the NBA, to get the dollars, to get the games played, and and that's the difference. That is a very good point and scary for the players. And yeah, I mean, I, I hate saying it, but I think that's, um, yeah, I, I don't think that's outlandish to say that. In, in just as a comparison to the NBA, which many of our listeners will be familiar with. So, yeah, so just to uh, sort of like finish off on that, the NFL uh, have come out with some revised protocols. So um, they're trying to clamp down on this to try and stop that big tidal wave. So just a couple of points. Cobbs are required to maintain copies of surveillance camera video of the facilities for at least 30 days. And NFL will regularly review that footage. So I'm sure I think that's all around wearing masks. So teams are required to develop schedules, minimises time players spend in lockers, locker rooms, um, better shifts to maintain better social distancing. So not having the team all in the locker room at once. Uh, all players and staff must wear masks at all times while in the club facility and on the practice field uh, unless a mask cannot be worn by players due to interference with athletic activity. So um, that's an interesting <laughs> one. But then, yeah, I don't know how that's all going to go. You can uh, see people just working their way around that, can't you? Oh, exactly. Um, and, like, are they really going to go through the footage and find people? I don't know. It's, um, yeah, it's pretty bizarre. Um, so, I think we should, yeah. Yeah. We should move on to some of the impacts mm. that this has had. And, cause I want to move back onto football, but because of this COVID thing, it's had a huge impact on the Patriots because they lost, they lost their quarterback. Uh, Cam Newton, uh, tested positive, wasn't allowed to play. Came up against the Chiefs, and this is a game that you and I are both quite looking forward to. You, because you're a Chiefs fan, me, because I want to see them lose. Um, and I, I want to see how Cam Newton went as well. Yeah. What blew my mind, and I want to make it very clear. The Patriots lied. The Patriots have lied to everybody through the entire preseason. So that's, they were sitting there. Uh, they got rid of Brady. Everyone knows the drama, and they're sitting there saying... Jarrett Stidham, Jarrett Stidham, Jarrett Stidham, Jarrett Stidham. He's our man, he's our man, he's our man, he's our man. And last minute, they, they, you know, they scooped up Cam Newton for a pittance. And I, I am on record saying that they didn't do a great job there because you know, they picked up a piece of trash that nobody wanted. And he's not trash, but that's how he was viewed by the league. Yep. I think I have to rescind on that a little bit because mm. of their actions here. Are you, I, I, uh, I'm, are you I'm backtracking. Are you backtracking to be more in line with my thoughts in the preseason? I am backtracking to say that don't ever trust the Patriots organisation because <laughs> in the game this week, 
Jarrett Stidham, he's there. He's been their man. They do not start him. They start Brian Hoyer instead. Mm. So what what that tells me is that they do not trust him. They don't have the faith in him to step up and take the reins. Yep. So that whole time they were sitting there in the preseason being like, oh, he's our man, he's a man, he's a man. Oh, we'll just take this opportunity. Rubbish. Absolute. Full of it. Pack of lies. They never had any trust in him. They never believed in him. They were just talking down the price because Cam Newton. And if there had been any other interest in Cam Newton, they would have paid for him. They would have yeah. paid for him because they wanted him. Well, was a, I mean, it's a master strike by them. Like uh, Bill Belichick, head coach, definitely pulls the strings in the GM department. And he, uh, you know, when you look at it, like, it really was a bit of a masterstroke, really, as you say. They knew that no one else was interested in him. They didn't. They wanted to say publicly they were behind Jared Stidham, so it looked like you know his like it didn't look like he was going to be in demand by the Pats. Um, they clearly had him circled as their key acquisition. Um, and I mean, God, you look at you look at how both Hoyer and Stidham performed. I mean. Thank God they do have him. Where would they be without it? What if they were with Stidham and Hoyer? I mean, I know it's only one game, but, man, they did not perform well under pressure, either of those. They both had, um, you know, huge mistakes, cost their team a lot. And, you know, while the while the result was closer with the Chiefs getting over the line and it wasn't an absolute blowout, um, it definitely it could well have been. And... uh yeah, um, I think it just shows that that move was just crucial for them. Oh, it clearly was. And, like, Hoyer made – so Hoyer's an experienced quarterback. He's been around for years, but he made, like, a, just a rookie error at the end of the first half. All he needed to do was get the ball out of bounds, reset the clock, come in so they could kick a field goal. Yep. This is, like, football 101. Fundamental. Thing he, yeah, the only thing he's not allowed to do is run around in the backfield and get sacked. So what does he do? Run around in the backfield and get sacked. Time mm. runs out, and what should have been a tied game, uh, the Chiefs go in leading six three at the half. Did you see? Um, did you see McDaniel's uh, there on the sideline when that happened? Oh, I mean, they were just, he was they just were dumbfounded, livid, livid. They were. I was actually surprised because I'm pretty sure it came back. It did actually start the third quarter, I believe, which I was shocked. But it, it wasn't wasn't in there for long before uh, Big Sidham came in. And, uh, yeah. you know, also disappointed. Well, <laughs> so, uh, Siddham would have yeah. been thinking, I'm the greatest thing since sliced bread when he first came through, because his first yeah. drive, he actually got them on the board. Like, That's true. He did, but it all unraveled from there. So, yeah. 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 So, no, he was, they were both disappointing. Patriots lied to us. Like, well, I don't know whether to say well done to them or not, but, nah, I'm not happy about oh. it. I think, yeah, yeah, like we've discussed that deal at length, picking up for peanuts, um, and yeah, let's let's hope this doesn't just, you know, like sidetrack or put a big disruption on his season because, it, I mean, I think for the good of the game, it was great to see Cam Newton back, back displaying his capabilities and back um, performing at the highest level and. You know, you'd hate to see this like de- completely derail his season, but um, yeah, if he can stay healthy and he can get back on the field, um, 
yeah, like he makes that team dangerous. I've said that. Like, and uh, if if they didn't have him, they would be nowhere. So, mm. yep. Um, so yeah, I mean, if it's if this if the COVID starts taking big names off the field and. Yeah, the NFL can't hold this uh, tidal wave back, then who knows where we'll end up. But, uh, yeah, crazy times. Well, the only thing I do know for sure is that uh, Bill O'Brien will not end up anywhere. Uh, <laughs> he is gone. So yeah. big news coming out uh, today, yesterday. Uh, the Texans have fired their coach and GM, Bill O'Brien. And it's kind of, I think we could all see it coming. Uh they're, they're zero and four. Uh, I saw the Texans last year. They were a good team. Like they've been making playoffs. They haven't had a deep run or anything, but you know they're okay. But he, one of his first moves as GM is to trade away DeAndre Hopkins, uh, the, the probably top two wide receiver in the NFL, for uh, for running back David Johnson. <laughs> like it was a laughing stock trade, dudes. I mean, oh. trading around, yeah, like. And you, you like apparently those two we, uh, we discussed this in the past didn't get along or see eye to eyes. Apparently it's a bit of a pain in the ass in the locker room. But you put up with people like that if they're delivering what he was on the field. Now, okay, you wanted to get some, uh, you wanted to get some um, stock in the trade department to give you some capital to build the team going forward. All right, maybe there's an argument for that. But at least trade him for something good, good. That's a fair trade, not just for David Johnson. I mean, it was just absolute laughing stock suits. And to rub salt in the wood, John Hopkins has gone on and had, I think he's has the leading receiving yards in the league now uh, at the Cardinals. So he's just gone on and said stuff you to uh, the Texans, and uh, that's made that move look even worse. Um, and yeah. if I'm Deshaun Watson, I'm sitting there going, whoa, 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 whoa. You've just paid me $222 million. Um, give me someone to throw to. Yeah. Uh, and it getting put, rid of his weapons. Yeah, it puts that that deal in, in jeopardy, doesn't it? Like, I think mm. we touched on it, and I, we, I said this in uh, overstatement, understatement uh, segment there. Week or two ago, dudes, like, they're in like serious trouble, and um, you know they just don't look dangerous at all. They've got these huge issues on the offense. What's you know Watson going to do? Is he going to just become disenchanted with the whole the whole uh, system, the whole franchise, and and look elsewhere in time? Like um, I would really got some, if I was, yeah, of course. Yeah. If I was just on Watson, I'd be sitting there going, okay. Which teams is there a bit of opportunity? Maybe the Colts, they have a pretty good offensive and defensive line. They're doing all right. Um, yep. Their quarterback's getting a bit on in the teeth. Um, could you have a look at the Raiders? Get him out, uh, get him out to Las mm-hmm. Vegas, get rid of Derek Carr. Like, Derek, Derek Carr's okay, but he's no Deshaun Watson. Yeah, well, it depends if... Uh, yeah, that's an interesting point about the Raiders. Yeah, um, but... Uh, yeah, it's just, a, just it, I think like it's just so disappointing to see um, the talent of Watson just not wasted, but it is just obviously not being able to demonstrate his his strengths. And he's a great quarterback. I don't think there's many arguments against that. But 
yeah, they're just struggling to deliver a product and a, and um and a offensive weapons for him and a huge disappointment. I think you know there's a great argument about with Bill O'Brien. You know he was both GM and coach, and very difficult for um, you know a person to be able to do those two roles at the level that they require. Um, you know, a head coaching role is a big enough task as it is with the hours you hear what they're doing and the demands that you know um, are placed in that role. Um, you just hear coaches working just stupid hours, day in and day out, and that's just head coaching role. How are you supposed to be both a successful head coach and a GM? I really think if he was just the head coach, um, you know, his team's made the playoffs for like three, four years. I know they've been tremendous disappointments on wildcard weekends and they just have been uh, so often just got to the playoffs but bowed out early and haven't been able to take the next step. But if you just looked at his coaching record, as alone, you'd say, aside from this year, of course, um, there's defence that he was fired too early. But if you look at it as a whole with GM and a coach, that's where it's a different story. And that's where I think he's brought himself undone. Yeah, I think maybe he's like he's like the Michael Jordan over Charlotte. Michael Jordan, great player. Um, or when he owned the Wizards even, great player. But as a manager, he was like a general manager. He was terrible. He... He's still not good. Um, yeah, but then they're not the worst team in the NFL. Um, I'm going to come to this in a moment, but, like, who's next to go? Well, that's the thing. And uh, I think the McNair family, so the owners of the Houston Texans, uh, it's been reported that they didn't want to be the first team that fired a coach this season. Uh, but they ended up having to be. Now, I think there's been a bit of, um, maybe, you know, with the COVID-19 outbreak, the strange seasons, teams didn't want to be viewed publicly as being too harsh on coaches too early, or there's been that uh, rumours in, in the media, but they've just had to, their hands have been forced here for the Texans, and I wonder whether this is the start of some coaches being, uh, getting, heading for the chopping block. So, uh, and the New York Jets are just Zuda. I mean, what the hell is going on there? And so you just have to think that Adam Gase, I mean, many are surprised that he uh, was was rehired for this season. Many thought he was gone at the end of last season. You'd have to think if, and you'd hate, you'd hate talking about if it was jobs like that, but you'd have to think that he's the next one that looks likely to get the ass. Um, and... I think that, uh, yeah, Matt Patricia, Detroit Lions, he is on some pretty mm. icy ground at the moment also, I think. But definitely if you look at the Jets, uh, Adam Gase, he's got it. I mean, he, he must know that the writing's on the wall. Well, when, you, when you're none and four, <laughs> like, and yeah. you, you've scored 65 points across four games, and you've had 131 points scored against you. <sighs> yeah. yeah. And, like, the Jets are bad. Like, they're not just, oh, okay, they ha- they're not good this year. They got beaten by the Broncos this weekend. And I talked to, I, like I said, I've, I've 
delved into the Broncos a little bit because I was a bit of a I was fanboying on them a little bit this year. Um, Interesting choice. But yeah. I, I know, I know. Uh, but you got to understand who the Broncos had this week. So they've lost their quarterback. He's gone. So they've brought in this guy, Brett Rapien. I don't even know if I'm saying it right. But off the he street, he was a off the exactly off the street. He's didn't go. Oh, just. Like, he didn't even get drafted. He was there as, like, a backup, backup. And I don't know what's happening with Blake Borders and why he's not playing it, but that's another story. Um, They've brought him off the street. He's Surprisingly, he's thrown 242 yards, but he's also thrown three interceptions. Three. Three interceptions. So he's been picked off, like, pretty easy. Alternatively, you've got Sam Darnold, who I actually think is doing quite a good job. He's throwing 23 of 42, 230 yards, no interceptions, no touchdowns either. Um, but the Broncos still win 37-28. So what is happening on the Jets is they just cannot score. Like, they, they can't do enough, they can't score enough to defend a total. Like, there's so many problems there. And, uh, I mean, uh, so you've got Sam Darnold there at the Jets quarterback. Now... Clearly, he hasn't been amazing, but he hasn't been terrible either. So, it's obviously more around, they just don't have the weapons around him. He just doesn't have anyone to throw to. Um, and you sort of feel, I mean, sort of feel for Darnold a little bit as well. Like, I don't think we're really seeing his true, true talents displayed, are we? So, um, yeah, I mean, it's just—it's not just one or two positions there. It's a much bigger, bigger problem. And uh, yeah, and I, I don't think we can be super surprised because they had these huge issues last season, but it just has not improved one bit, has it? Oh, no! And like I'm looking at Sam Darnold's stats from this year, hmm. and his average yards gained per attempt—it's under six. It's five point seven. Like, and his completion rate's not even 60%. That's terrible. But what that tells me is that he's got no one to throw it to. Yeah, yeah. No, that's right. And then and then it begs the question, Zoods, I mean, um, what happens then if they end up having the worst record in the NFL and then they end up with the number one pick, who's you would think is going to be Trevor, uh, Trevor Lawrence. So... What happens then? So, are they just gonna go after the shiny new toy? Is that oh, gonna be their problems? Well, let's be clear. It may not be the Jets who finished last. It could also be the Giants, mm-hmm. uh, and they have Daniel. They have Daniel Jones, and honestly, it's the same. It's the same problem. I probably think. That, I personally think that Sam Donald's a little bit better than Daniel Jones, um, but they both have the same problems. They haven't had. The offensive line to support them. They haven't had um, the tools to utilize to actually achieve something good. Like I'm just bringing up uh, Daniel Jones. So he's his yeah. yard attempt. He's only he's six as well. Um, his completion rate slightly better, just over sixty percent. But you compare that to like a Russell Wilson this year. Who let's be clear, he's having a blinding year. But his yards per attempt is nine point four. <laughs> Like, just comparatively, that's a huge difference. Yeah. And his completion rate's over 75%. Yeah, yeah. Yep, extraordinary. Um, yeah, like, I don't, I don't think Daniel Jones has been uh, 
again, like last year, um, I thought some of his some of his games were uh, were pretty reasonable. I think um, everyone questioned that uh, pick coming into the 2019 season, but I feel like he proved proved his worth there. But yeah, it's it's bigger issues. And man, if you're a New York uh, NFL fan, you haven't got much to cheer about. Full stop with those two franchises. Just yeah, way way down. I mean, I think many people thought the um, Jacksonville Jaguars were going to be the uh, get the number one pick for this season. But I mean, at least they've won a game, as you say, Zoods. And um, you would think that as a team, they were the ones that would be really chasing Trevor Lawrence. Um, at number one, but uh, you know, well, this is this is the argument then. So what I think is going to happen is I think it's going to be one of the New York teams that falls to the bottom gets the number one pick. Do they then take that pick and look to trade down? Mm. Um, if they don't want Trevor Lawrence, because uh, they have you know each of them have got a solid QB, do they trade down and say let's assume that the Panthers finished third last, trade down to the third pick, but also pick up their second rounder this year and maybe next year as well um, and use that to enhance their own team. So that suddenly becomes an option. Or, do because it's New York, do they say, you know what, stuff it, we're going to take Trevor Lawrence, let's bring some excitement back to our team. Let's get people excited about the Giants. Let's get people excited about the Jets. Like, look at the Bengals. Nobody has ever cared about the Bengals until Burroughs has come in. Yeah, now look at them. Absolutely. It'll be a huge temptation, but definitely wouldn't fix their problems. But, yeah. No, it's not about fixing their problems. It's about money. We've discussed this, Torpy. It doesn't (laughs) matter if they're a bad team as long as the money rolls in. That's right. Yes, as long as bring the cash, the marketing, the hype, which no doubt Lawrence would. Um, you know, tanking for Trevor, it's the big conversation. But, uh, yeah, you sort of hate seeing, uh, you know, one of the things I hate about that, and that happens in the AFL as well, but, you know, if you've got a star like that and you're bringing into an organisation such as the Jets, you know, do they ever, ever, you know, realise their potential? Because they're just in such a crap organisation, Obviously, cultural issues, obviously, structural issues, like, uh, you know, like, it's similar to, say, you know, Carlton in the AFL and the amount of number one draft picks they've had and what have they done with them, you know, like, it's, 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 it's very similar. Uh, yeah. Um, I, yeah. I, I'm with you. Uh, so, we, we need to move on to yep. our, probably our, our final point. Um, and let's just have, well, not our final point, but having a look at some of the tables and the different conferences, because there's some weird stuff going on. Um, do you want, do you want to walk, do you want to walk us through the NFCs? Because that's probably the one that we need to focus on right now. Well, I mean, if you think about conferences and, uh, I, I mean, it's just hard to believe how bad, uh, this conference is shaping up to be. So, um, so this is the conference that comprises the famed Dallas Cowboys, who we'll get to, who just, who many thought would go to the Super Bowl this year, and they look tremendously disappointing. So you've got the Dallas Cowboys, Philadelphia Eagles, who have touched on, that have been 
also very bad, but pick up uh, uh, picked up a win. So, uh, sorry, so you got Cowboys, Eagles, Washington football team, New York Giants. So, you know, you looked at that at the start of the year, think Cowboys should just kill that conference. Well, they're sitting third, and you've got the Eagles that are leading the conference. And what are they leading that conference on, dudes? One win, two losses, one draw. How can you think it? Well, it's all thanks to Jordan Maialata, the Aussie guy, who finally, uh, the offensive tackle, finally got a run on the weekend uh, and inspired them to their first win. That's what I'm going to say. Get the win, yes. Over uh, San Francisco, which uh, I guess they would need to win against that injury-riddled side, but while the Eagles have been going, you wouldn't. it was uh, still a slight surprise. But, um, yeah, so Eagles there... Leading that conference. Now, you'd have to think that the Cowboys and the Eagles would battle that out as they did last year to win that conference. But, man, is that going to be a disappointing uh, win-loss ratio, whoever, whoever wins that conference? And, um, like, the Cowboys, my goodness, they were... So they lost to the Browns this week. The Browns looked sharp. But their defense, Dallas, just was... So, so bad. And, you know, uh, Prescott, like Prescott there, throws this huge amount of yards again. But it's because they, they, they're down so much, he's having to just throw these ball passes. And, yeah, it's just that conference is a huge disappointment. And, um, yeah, it looks like we're heading towards a very similar situation as we did last year with... Uh, Dallas not even be able to win that conference. So, yep. Um, it's it's scary. And what what bothers me, and I was discussing this uh, with Toby before the podcast, is that the way it works is that you'll get six teams out of the AFC uh, into the playoffs and six teams out of the NFC. And you take the best team from each of uh, the divisions. So maybe the Eagles come through in, this, in the NFC East. Um so you take the best team out of that, so that's four teams, and then the best next two records. What bothers me is that the Eagles are going to... Let's assume that the Eagles get in with a record of, like, I don't know. They're going to play 16 games, so maybe, like, nine and seven and nine, seven wins, nine losses, which is a horrible record. Yeah. That could happen. They could get through with that. Alternatively, you've got something like... Um, I'm trying to look. The NFC South, um, the Buccaneers Saints, both in that one. The NFC North, Packers Bears, uh, and the NFC West, Seahawks Rams. All of those teams are way better than the Eagles, and one of them is not going to play in the playoffs. Yeah, which is the the, the, the tragedy of the system, isn't it? The, the, yeah, yeah. Like when you've got a stacked conference, um, inevitably. Good, good teams can miss out, but then you know rubbish can get through from another conference. Yeah, it's just the the way that structure is. But um, yeah, like it's if you just look at the standings at the moment and the conference break, as you said, like uh, NFC West, Seahawks, Rams, Cardinals. I mean, uh, they've sort of slipped a bit in the last couple of weeks, but but they're off, they're um, starting to click as well. So there's going to be some good teams. Drop there, um, yeah. And then if we move across to the other side, the AFC, yeah. AFC. Um, the AFC North for me is particularly interesting 
because you've got the mm. Steelers, who are a good side. Like, they're well-led, um, good team. They're 3-0 and um, because they had that delayed game versus Tennessee. Um, you've got the Ravens, and you've got the Browns. And, like, the Bengals yep. are in there too, but we're not expecting much from them. But that's three really good teams in there, but we know that one of them is going to miss. Mm. And, like, I'm sure many people... We just said, well, the Ravens are a sure thing, and they'll go through. That's you know, highly likely. The Browns are making us all wonder if they're any good or any. If they're not, again, like they were very impressive against the Cowboys, but they almost gave up a huge lead as well. But um, you know, we spoke about Mayfield and OBJ, uh, Odell Beckham there um, last week. Do they work together? It seems like. For the first time, they were able to utilize both of their strengths really well, and they delivered massively. Now they almost lost the game; their defense almost let uh, Cowboys back in. But yeah, fascinating with those three three teams. I think many people didn't probably see the Steelers at three and zero, but there they are. So yeah, um, that's that's interesting. And then you look at uh, the AFC West. Um, You've got the Chiefs, who you think they're four and zero. Like certainly would think go through the Raiders. Who knows? Like they look okay. Um, Chargers and then the poor old Broncos. So yeah, that that's less of a stacked division, but yeah, it's definitely and such a weird year where we're going to continue to have these huge interruptions to schedules and then thus performances of different teams in different weeks, it's going to make the finals and the playoffs race definitely just far different to what we've probably seen in the past. Yeah, it's 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 mad what it turns into. I don't know. I'm excited to see that the Buccaneers are suddenly like up there. Like, yeah. there's, a, there's a good chance that they're going to be a playoff team this year, and that's pretty cool. Because at the start of the year, and like like I said, I haven't been convinced on Brady, but you know they got some wins on the board, like they're three and one. Yeah, and like Brady, you know, fought fought back from a decent deficit there in that game over the weekend, and showed a bit of old school hashtag Tommy. And uh, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Like you, you were saying his uh, career was deflating last week, but don't give up on Tommy just yet. And uh, okay, well, that probably brings us into our next point. What is your overstatement, understatement this no. week? Overstatement, understatement. I um, yeah, I've, I've been uh, there's been so much going on, but let's start with my understatement, Zoods, that Roger Goodell and the NFL are struggling to hold back the tide of COVID nineteen. <laughs> I think. Uh, I think that's an understatement because I think in a week's time, I think shit's going to hit the fan more and uh, this could really uh, cause some huge issues in the league. So understatement uh, is COVID-19's causing issues in the NFL. What's uh, what's what's yours, Zuda? Uh, I think my understatement comes back to something we touched on before. Uh, the, the Cowboys' defense is bad. Um, I think they're just <laughs> atrociously bad. Um, I'm trying to think of my overstatement for this week. 
Um, I think my on, overstatement mate. is that my overstatement is the Brady's back. Oh. <laughs> I, I think it's too early to make that call. Like I said, I am excited. I'm, you know, well done. They got the win on the weekend. But it's still Brady. He's, you know, they beat the Chargers, who are sitting at the bottom of the division. They're not great. They don't have their number one QB. Um, Justin Herbert's still learning on the job. Mm. And he, was... he came back from a massive deficit. Yeah. yeah Herbert, Herbert uh, continues to impress in my mind. Like, he looked, looked pretty good. So um... he's, I think he's living up to his college filling a little bit. Yeah. Um, yeah. Which is that he, he probably throws the loose ball every now and then. Yep. Oh, this reminds me, and I completely forgot about this. I was furious watching the Chiefs game because I don't know why the refs love your man, but he threw a clear interception. So Mahomes threw a clear interception. He got tackled as he threw, bobbed yeah. up in the air, caught easily. Um yeah. I, I, if I was a Patriots fan, I would still be fuming. Well, Belichick um, was losing his shit on the sideline, wasn't he? And uh, oh, and fair yeah, enough. Yeah, no, I mean, I obviously love Patrick, but yeah, bad call there. That was that was maybe, uh, maybe Mahomes used part of his half a billion dollars whoa, to pay whoa, the refs off a little bit. Whoa, whoa, Zeus. you can't say that. This is like... I, I can and I did. <laughs> and I don't regret it. Oh, I can't believe what I just heard. <laughs> oh. Uh, well, I think on that bombshell, uh, that brings us to the close of our podcast. Uh, I do want to remind everyone, make sure you share, make sure you like it, um, get it out there. Uh, we love doing it. We'd love uh, for you to share it as well. Um, so thank you, as always, Torpy, for being a part of it. Always a pleasure, Zudes. And uh, you just cut my overstatement off. But my overstatement oh, is that you're a, you're, a, you're a good host. So that, there we go. For the <laughs> yeah, that's a fair fair call. So I take it back. Not on the bombshell, on that lovely little dig. We're going to finish. But uh, thank you yeah. very much for your overstatement. And thanks for your time. Catch us all next week. See you guys.